to the Creative Collective Podcast. Today, we have the chance to interview Morgan Danielle. She is a relationship coach and the founder of Empowered Femme, which is responsible for helping hundreds of women rewire their minds after known or unknown trauma so they can release toxic relationship patterns and become an energetic match for healthy, conscious love. Well, Morgan, we're so glad you're here with us today, and we would love to learn more about you. So could you share a little bit about yourself and what brought you to where you are today? Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. So I'm a relationship coach. I specialize in helping women break the toxic relationship cycle and create the most epic love affairs of their life. And so what really got me into this work, I felt like I had to turn my mess into my message. My relationships were something that I struggled with for most of my life. I struggled with codependency, love addiction, toxic relationships, abusive relationships. Then I would just go for the emotionally unavailable men. And at one point it was like my come to Jesus moment where I was like, something's got to give. There is this pattern here. And I need to know why this is happening to me because I would look around me and see all these other women in healthy, happy relationships. And I would kind of compare myself to them and say, what are they doing differently? What is, what's, what's happening here that my relationships are the way that they are and other people's are the way that they are. And so what I came to learn over time was that we all have a relationship blueprint and our experiences in childhood um, really dictate the relationships that we have in our adult lives. And so once I started to dive into that and understand why I was attracting what I was attracting, that's when I was really able to shift it. And so through the course of, um, I would say probably a, six or seven year um, introspection journey, I was able to overcome depression, anxiety, disorganized attachment, uh, love addiction, codependency. I let go of all my toxic and abusive relationships. And ultimately now I have a really incredible relationship with an incredible partner. So it's it's taken me um, through quite the journey, but I knew that that was just something that I had to share with the world, because I know that now as we've all gotten on social media, we're not alone in it anymore. It was like, oh my gosh, there are Facebook groups here and here and here. And all these people are talking about, um, you know, narcissistic um, relationships, codependency, all the things. And so we don't feel as isolated about it anymore. And we actually feel like, you know, there, there is a way out now. So what I love, I mean, there's so much to love about that and about you out of the gate, but one of the things that really resonates and sits deeply with me is that awareness that you had to not blame yourself or kind of like go into like this like deeper level of like what is wrong with me, but just really the the journey you went on to healing and how you're now using that to help other people, I think is just so beautiful that you allowed that process to, to take place for you. Yeah. Thank you. And in the beginning, you know, I definitely wondered what was wrong with me. I was like, I have to be unlovable. There has to be something wrong with me. Something about me just isn't right. And then I realized I was like, Oh, it's actually not that at all. It's just, 
the beliefs that I have, what I grew up witnessing and, you know, the, the blueprint that I essentially was given. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually a huge relief for me when I found out that, oh, it's not that something's wrong with me. It's not that I'm just unlovable or unworthy of love, or it's just not going to happen for me. It's that there is just something that I believe and there's a way that I I show up in the world that is attracting this. And so if I can attract it, if there's something within me that's attracting it, that means that I can actually change it. So it was actually a very empowering moment for me to realize Mm. that I had a say and it wasn't like, you know, it was a a life sentence for me to have these types of relationships. Mm. So I'm curious if you can share with listeners, um, what does your role as a relationship coach encompass? Absolutely. So I, um, I am an internal family systems therapist, as well as a certified um, life and relationship coach. And so I help my clients and really the way that I've created the programs that I do are a lot from my own personal experience. And so what I've learned over the years. And so I really help my clients figure out that root cause for the relationship patterns that they're having. And so we do a lot of inner child work. We do shadow work um, and we really heal the inner child, change those subconscious beliefs, change that relationship blueprint um, so that we can set a, a stable foundation for the rest of the work that we do. And so that's where we're building their self-esteem, their self-love, their confidence, their worth, um, and ultimately allowing them to feel safe calling in emotionally available men, feeling safe and comfortable calling in men who actually want to be close to them. Because what I've found from my own personal experience, as well as my clients, is there's always this fear of abandonment. There's always this fear of emotional intimacy, which leads them to subconsciously seek out men who cannot actually get close to them. And so we actually have to recondition their beliefs about that. And we have to regulate their nervous system to actually feel safe with that emotional intimacy. And then I also teach my clients how to date in the modern world. I teach them um, empowered communication. Uh, my, My business is called Empowered Femme. And so I teach them empowered communication. I teach them how to navigate uh, online dating, in-person dating, boundaries, uh, standards, all of that good stuff. And so I've I've packed that into a six-month program that's been really, really transformative for the women who have gone through it. Uh, So what do you think it means to be truly loved by someone else? I love that question. And I'm, I'm a huge sap for love. And I don't think, you know, 10 years ago, me would ever say that um, because it was so painful. But when I think about it now, and I've been loved properly now, what I really think it means is somebody is there for you consistently. They are meeting your wants and needs in an appropriate manner. They genuinely care about your well-being. And they ultimately respect you and they want to grow with you and you ultimately um not make each other happy but you're happy in each other's presence because I don't believe that you know it's our job to make our partners happier for our partners to make us happy but being compatible in the way where you both desire to be the absolute best versions of yourself so you can come together and have a beautiful partnership so when we talk about love 
Um, I've had clients tell me, you know, he loves me and I know he loves me, but he's mistreating me. Could that be love? Sure. But love is not enough, right? Love's not enough to stay in a relationship. And also I feel like people get confused between love and trauma bonds. And so trauma bonds are where we are having drastic highs and lows with a partner. We're really um, creating this traumatic uh, bonded experience where it's more of an addiction rather than love itself. So I believe that love is kind, love is... um, is selfless love is not envious you know and when we have had these narcissistic abusive relationships um they believe that they're in love because they feel like they need this other person they're addicted to this other person but that's not truly what love is that's just a chemical bond so um love should ultimately feel for the most part it should feel good in your body you should feel safe you should feel happy you should feel um, genuinely connected while also having, you know, autonomy within that relationship. Well, I love that you said that it's not just, you know, oh, look, they are so in love, but like how they feel, how the person feels, how each person feels that it's not just, you know, something surface level, but deeper, like you said, the connection. Um, so thanks for, thanks for answering that. Um, what are some typical traits, patterns, and behaviors that are indicative of somebody who fuels toxicity? I would say one of the biggest signs that somebody can pay attention to is love bombing. Um, that is something that I've experienced in my life. Uh, my clients have experienced, and that is something that so many women can look over, even if they know that it's happening, they'll choose to look over it because it feels so good. And so this is where this person is, um, is moving way too fast too soon. Maybe you've heard him say, or she, maybe you've heard them say, um, that, I've never met anyone like you before, or I feel like I'm falling in love with you. I've never felt this kind of connection. Um, And they're saying this within a couple weeks or maybe even a month. I feel like that's very inappropriate, but it feels so good to those who have felt unworthy of love. And so that raises oxytocin for the other person, which allows the judgment part of our brain to essentially shut off. And so they are just overlooking this red flag. And so maybe they're doing big romantic gestures. They're wanting to take you on a trip in the first week of knowing you, or they're buying you big extravagant gifts. Um, I would say also a, uh, a behavior is controlling. If you feel like somebody is trying to control you, they are telling you what you can and can't do, who you should and shouldn't talk to, um, especially very early on, if they're, uh, they're showing these signs of, of controlling and, and needing to know where you are, if you don't text them back at an appropriate time. And also for those of, of us who have, um, grown up and maybe, uh, dysfunctional homes where we were very controlled that can actually feel good to somebody um when you know somebody's like oh my gosh you didn't text me back you know within five minutes and they're like oh wow they really love me and so that's why it's so important for us to to know where our patterns are stemming from and what our patterns are so that we can see because if somebody's love bombing 
that can feel very natural if you had a narcissistic parent or if somebody is playing hot and cold that can feel very natural if um if you experience that in childhood and if somebody is very controlling again that will feel natural um although it feels painful it'll feel more natural and it'll feel familiar and so you'll gravitate towards that and so just for a little recap on those love bombing, controlling behavior. And then also if you are um, experiencing somebody who's hot and cold, so maybe one day they're very much into you and giving you all this love and attention and then they're taking it away. And so it's like they're um, essentially they are giving you all that you want, all that you need, and then they're taking it away when it's convenient for them. So I would say those three things are really important to note. And then, of course, um, if somebody is maybe being condescending to you, um, calling you names, uh, you know, making jokes at your expense, I would say that that is a, a very big red flag. Um, and it's very common among uh, people with avoidance, narcissistic tendencies along those lines. Okay. So if you are a person who finds yourself in one of these situations and you recognize it, what, what would you say are like some appropriate steps to either like remove yourself out of the situation or to, I guess, just express the discomfort or the awareness of the situation. I don't even know the right question to ask, but I'm just imagining that at some point, if you're aware that these patterns exist and then you see them showing up in some relationship, what, what are some good steps to take? Cause I can imagine some of these people that might be involved in these situations maybe don't have the healthiest outlook (laughs) and uh, it could cause some problems. So I'm just wondering what, what would you suggest for people who find themselves in a situation like that? Yeah, I would say it depends on where you are in, um, in the relationship. So if it's, you know, if you're noticing this within the first couple dates, get out, don't call them back. You don't, you know, go, go on a date with somebody else. You don't need to involve yourself with that person. However, if you are further in the relationship, so you guys are in a committed relationship and you're realizing that, oh my gosh, you know, I think this, this person is not the healthiest person. This is where boundaries are going to be really, really important. And so I would, I would say first, if we are in a toxic relationship, we also have to take responsibility there and say what within me was available for this relationship. So I say, and this can be triggering to some, but if we're in a, in a toxic relationship, then we are co-toxic. So there's toxic uh, patterns that we have about ourselves as well. And so we want to get really, really clear um, before you go to your partner who you're having these experiences with. Um, I would say having that clarity around okay, what, what within me was available for this kind of treatment? Where did this come from? What can I learn from this? And then what is it that I need? So do I need to be, is this dangerous? Do I need to leave this relationship? Is there a way that we can heal this together by me setting boundaries and me cleaning up my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors? Because I've seen that as well. And so, um, 
So for, for those that need to leave, um, I actually just had a client uh, who was in a toxic relationship and she's been working with me for a month and decided she needed to leave. And so she ended up having that conversation of, you know, I don't feel loved here. I don't feel respected here. And I feel like the best thing for me is that I have to leave this relationship. Um, and and then if you're wanting to talk about it, you can say, you know, I'm noticing and I always come from a place of this is where the empowered communication comes into play. I always come from a place of um, talking about how we feel rather than blaming or accusing. And so if somebody's not treating me properly, then I would say, you know, I really don't feel good when plans are canceled on me at the last minute. Um, you know, I, I feel anxious when that happens. What can we do about that? And if they are a, if they're capable of um, changing their behavior, then they'll come up with a solution and say, oh, I can do this or this or this. And so there's, there's definitely different ways depending on where you are in the relationship. But if you feel like this person is not willing to, change their behavior, um, then that's where you have to decide, am I willing to put up with this for the rest of my life or am I going to walk away and create something even better? So I know that that is always the most difficult question. Do I stay or do I leave? But ultimately it's like, you have to create a vision of what you want for your life and relationships. And if that person is not congruent with that, then that's when you make the decision to leave. Um, yeah, that makes so much sense. Having the awareness around your own needs. And I love what you said about like not blaming too, but like showing up as a whole person and, yeah. and being able to express, right. Just like the, how important it is to just be able to communicate what's yeah. going on. Uh, which I think is is a skill that's greatly lacking for a lot of people. So just learning how to express, because it's it's vulnerable, right? Uh, to put yourself in in those situations. Um, what are some impacts that you see from a toxic relationship that might seep out into other aspects of a person's life? I see a lot because I do work with a lot of women who have experienced narcissistic abuse and um, our relationships are essentially the foundation for our life. And so if we are having a toxic relationship, we'll see it seep out in the way that we talk to our kids, the way that we show up in our friendships, the way we show up in business. I also work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs as well. And you see that it completely, it, they, they become a shell of themselves and they get really irritated really easily because they're just on constant in constant survival mode on constant alert. And I also used to experience this when um, my daughter's uh, turning 12 now, but when I was in abusive relationships, I was um, quite emotionally unavailable for her. And I was constantly, I just felt irritable and I felt like I couldn't be present because I was just so anxious and depressed. And so we see that in the way that we show up in relationship with our kids, with our friends, we tend to withdraw because um, maybe we feel shame about the way that we're feeling, or it's like, 
our friends are kind of tired of hearing us complain about the way that we're being treated and us not doing anything about it. And so it really puts tension on that friendship. And with work, um, I see a lot where my clients can't show up for their clients or be the best that they can be because they are so focused on, is he going to text me back? Is he going to cheat on me? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? And so it completely takes away their creativity, their ability to put their focus where it needs to be. And ultimately, um, you know, I've, I've just seen that be really detrimental in all areas, because again, it's like your relationships are the closest and one of the most important things in our lives. And if it's not going well, then you can pretty much guarantee that other parts of your life are going to suffer because of it. And so maybe they'll even lose their hobbies, they'll lose their interests. And it really does take a, a huge toll on their self-esteem and, and their ability to show up in the world. And that's where they become depressed. Maybe they turn to drugs or alcohol to numb the pain. Um, and so it is it is a nasty cycle that that I've seen quite a bit. And seeing them get out of it and seeing them kind of have those breakthroughs and seeing them come back to life is, is really quite incredible once they have left that, that relationship that was causing so much harm. That is so fascinating. And now I'm thinking, okay, from an outsider's perspective, what, what do you feel like an outsider or maybe like a close friend you know, maybe you're seemingly observing these behaviors. You might know, like you said, that person is confiding this, this is what's going on. Um, what do, what do you do as that person who's maybe witnessing it or knows about it? How do you approach that? Do you approach it? Do you try and insert yourself? Like what are some best practices there? That's a really great question. And it, it's, it's difficult because, I mean, being somebody who had my friends and my family essentially feel like I was kind of an idiot because I kept going back to this person over and over and over again who would physically hurt me, emotionally hurt me. And they they got quite sick of, of me having the same experience over and over again. And so they did all they could do. And, and so when it comes to say, if you have a friend that's going through this, you can share your support and say, I love you. I'm here for you. And I noticed that you keep going back to this person. You know, don't you think that maybe you could get some help? But the thing is, if somebody's in it, they're not going to listen to reason. They're not going to take your advice. They'll complain to you about it. They'll talk to you about it. But it's very, very rare that they will want to take your advice. And so honestly, I think for the person that's witnessing this, you have to have your boundaries because you cannot save this person. You cannot fix this person. And you also can't constantly be the the ear that they rely on because it can end up being detrimental to you as well. And so that's where we have to really set our boundaries and say, I love you. And we've had this conversation for six months, we've had this conversation for a year, and I think it's important that you get help, but also I can't be the, the sole person that you're relying on to listen. And, you know, it, there's also enabling behavior where you enable that person and you're trying to fix, you're trying to save, and it just, it never works and you end up getting exhausted. And so the, the person really does, like I've had, had women 
say, you know, will you reach out to my friend? She's in this relationship. I know she needs your help. And I'm like, does she want me to? And they're not ready to let go of the relationship. And so I won't even entertain that because it's not my job to convince anybody, um, you know, what they should or shouldn't do. They have to be ready to do that. But if you maybe your friend doesn't see that they're in an abusive relationship because sometimes we can't see that for ourselves. I remember I actually, um, during couples counseling with a, a partner that I had years ago, um, my couples counselor pointed it out to me that I was in a toxic relationship and that was, um, very opening to me. And then I was like, Oh, and then I left the relationship because I was like, I didn't realize that this was what was happening. And so sometimes, you know, it is really important to point it out, but if they're not willing to do anything about it, we do have to accept that that's their decision, but say, you know, I can't listen to this anymore which is painful and hard for everyone involved. I was going to say, like, talk <laughs> about, talk about relationships. I mean, and then all of those paths crossing at once, you just want the best for everybody, but you're right. Sometimes it's just out of your control and you just, yeah. you just can't do anything and it's awful, but yeah. like that, it is what it is. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for speaking on that. Yes. I think for me, I listened to this, to you speak on this, and I'm immediately have people coming to mind who need to hear this, who need to have the awareness. And it's hard, right? Because we can't, I mean, like anything else, you can't want it for someone more than they want it for themselves. And if they don't have the awareness at some point, and I, I think we all know people like this, chaos and drama and all of that is comforting for some people. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Like, I don't Ooh. want that for my life. But for some people, that's what they're attracted to. And like you, like you said, like a lot of that could be based on their childhood and how they like what they're used to and what feels comfortable to them. Uh, so it's a really just it's challenging, I think, because as friends to some of these people, you know, there is a boundary too, as yeah. a friend to, to want the best, but also to just be realistic about it. Like I can't, I can't sit here and listen to this over and over at some point you've got to break the pattern. Yeah. I've had to do that with, um, with a friend of mine and it was really hard and uncomfortable because I did, you know, I would spend hours and anytime we hung out, I'd spend hours trying to, to essentially coach her through it. And she just wasn't ready to hear that. And so I had to decide for myself, you know, next time we hang out, I'd like it to be in a different dynamic, not where, you know, we're having these conversations. So it is, it is tough, but ultimately it's like, all we can do is plant the seed and whatever comes from that, we have to let people make their own decisions, make their own mistakes, live their own lives. And I can't even imagine how hard that would be as a parent for your child to see that, um, knowing that I, I have a young daughter, but it is ultimately, you know, we have to let people make their own mistakes because the thing is, 
rock bottom changes a lot of people. And that's what I had to experience in my life was hitting rock bottom. I had somebody throw me into a bathtub and it resulted in me going to the hospital for a severe concussion. And that was my rock bottom that forced me to start changing my life. And if that didn't happen, maybe I I wouldn't have changed as quickly as I did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh, truly terrible. But um, what you're saying there, I think, I mean, really does make so much sense. And uh, as, as friends, you know, seeing others go through this, I think, uh, we just have to be firm on our boundaries and be, be real with our friends and, and communicate that I think is like the best we can do. Uh, but if someone might be ready to heal, uh, what are the steps that they could take on that journey? Yes. And so for somebody who is ready to heal, that's always the first step of being open and willing to see things a different way. And so if you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm open and I'm willing, that's really the first step. And then the second is saying, okay, where the heck is this coming from? Because I, I wouldn't say if you're in a relationship right now, or you're talking to somebody right now, it's like, the first step isn't cutting that off because you're just not quite ready yet. And it will feel too much of a shock to your nervous system. And so it's getting really, really curious about what brought me here. Where is this coming from? And then it comes down to um, changing your self-concept. So building your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-love, finding your hobbies, uh, creating really a life that, that sets you on fire, sets your soul on fire. That's something that I teach my clients is like, if we are living a full, beautiful life, we are going to be less likely to pick somebody who is going to taint that in any way. And so when we feel more fulfilled within ourselves, then we're going to be less likely to settle for somebody else. And if you have a way of, um, again, like doing inner child work, that really is the foundation for, in, in my opinion and in my professional opinion, in my work, that's always the foundation is healing that inner child. Because as much as we try to change things consciously, um, we're operating 95% by our subconscious. And so, yeah, we can say the affirmations we can, um, you know, we can try to go out on, on dates with different people, but our attraction patterns are still going to be the same. And it's going to be that inner child that is self-sabotaging. Maybe you do meet a great man, but then you say that he's boring or uninteresting. And then you do something to sabotage the relationship. I see that all the time. So it's really important to have the awareness. Um, There's a quote by Carl Jung that says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you'll call it fate. And so if we are bringing that to the forefront and then we're soothing that inner child, talking to this inner child, what is it that you need? Why are you chasing after this? person because a lot of the time our subconscious will seek out people and experiences that mirror what we had gone through or how we had felt in childhood and so if we're going after an emotionally unavailable man it's because we're hoping that if we can get that emotionally unavailable person to love us it will make up for all the love we didn't receive when we were younger and so if we start to give ourselves that love give our inner child that love give them the validation, the attention, the stability, then we are less likely to go seek it out in people that mirrored 
our parents, our caregivers where we didn't receive it. So I think that that is one of the best things that we can do. Um, and then again, it's like we are building ourselves up through the way that we think, feel and behave. And so if we are thinking thoughts about ourselves, like nobody's going to love me or I'm not good enough or things like that, we're going to continue to behave in a way that's congruent with that thought. And so now we're getting really clear on what is it that I'm thinking throughout my day? How am I being hard on myself? Um, how do I, you know, am I tearing myself down? And then we're starting to change our thoughts. And I, so I like to teach my clients how to become their own muse. And so that's where they really are romanticizing their relationship with themselves. They're talking to themselves like they would, um, that they, the way that they'd like to be talked to by a partner, they're, um, they're being, um, essentially they are doing the things for themselves that they would like a, a partner to do for them. So maybe they're taking themselves out on dates. They're telling them how beautiful they are in the mirror. Um, and then of course, then we go into the behaviors of, okay, I recognize that I'm chasing after this guy. Now I'm, I'm going to decide that I'm not going to call him. I decide that I'm not, go if somebody crosses my boundaries, then I'm going to decide to leave. Um, and so it's like our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are what also needs to shift once we, in, in conjunction with doing the inner child work. So I, I'm just imagining someone who has perhaps been in a toxic relationship, maybe an abusive relationship uh, where some of the patterns we talked about early on might exist. What does it look like to get back in touch with yourself, with the things that you desire and you love and like resurfacing that part of you that's been lost like how would you guide someone to reconnect with who they truly are I would say getting very clear on what it is that you want and how you want to feel and then start doing things that would bring up those feelings and so when we we do lose sight in what we want for instant gratification. Um, and so that's a lot of the times why we get into these toxic relationships because, you know, maybe we see that they're love bombing us, but in the moment it feels so good. And so we move forward with it. And so what we really want to get clear on is that we've got to have a vision for our life and our relationships so that then we can make like a roadmap in how to get there. Because it's like, if you have a GPS but you don't have a destination, that GPS works great, but it's not going to get you to where you want to go because it doesn't have a destination. And so if we're getting back in touch with who we are, then we can ask ourselves, well, what is it that I want? And if we don't know what it is that we want, because a lot of us that have struggled with codependency have no idea what we want, especially after, you know, having our identities stripped in a, in a toxic relationship. And so then if we don't know what we want, then we can focus on how do we want to feel? Okay. I know that I want to feel happy. I want to feel prioritized. I want to feel loved. I want to feel expansive. I want to feel liberated. I want to feel confident. 
okay, so what do I have to do in order to feel confident? Okay, I have to speak my needs. What do I have to do to feel expansive? Um, I'm going to learn a new skill. What do I have to do to feel happy, spend more time with my friends or my loved ones or play a game? Um, and so that's how we really start to, to get back in touch with ourselves. And I think journaling is such a wonderful modality um, to gain that clarity of like, okay, well, how am I feeling right now? What do I want right now? And being able to journal and reflect on those, uh, you know, what you're journaling on and who you are, how you want to feel. Um, and the more that you put the focus back on you and you're asking, okay, how am I doing today? What do I need today? It's those simple things that just gets us more in touch with ourselves. And then it's like, and then you have like, inspired action you're asking yourselves these questions and it's like something pops in your head and it's like oh I'd really love to do that or I'd really love to try that or I should call that person so it's kind of like a beautiful chain of reaction and I always say when we choose ourselves, everything else falls into place and so as long as we are prioritizing ourselves making a, a life that that we feel on fire about and makes us happy um we will continue to get you know these little serendipitous moments Morgan, I love that. I think that just that's good advice for anyone, no matter what you're <laughs> what what you're going through. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, one of the things we we talk about kind of a lot here is anxiety, and uh, just kind of comes up a lot because it's something that I deal with, something that Jen deals with, and. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do is to get back in touch with what I need. Like, yeah. what do I really need to feel like myself? Mm -hmm. And anxiety, I think, takes a lot of that from us. It it can it can snatch it away. And like before we know it, we're living in like this survival mode. And so just reconnecting with that, I mean, like everything you just said in that chunk, I just want to like clip that part of the recording and just like listen to it every day. Uh, because it's just a beautiful thing to think about is that reconnecting with self and uh, reprioritizing our own needs. Because obviously, if we're not showing up for ourselves, we can't show up for anyone else. And we can't be, we can't live in this world, serve others uh, pursue our creative interests, be like the mom or spouse or whatever it is that we need to be. We can't, we can't do that, uh, because we we've lost that connection. So I just, I really just loved all of that so much. So thank you for sharing that. Course. And I do just want to add one thing too, is when, and I, most women that I've worked with myself included have had anxiety and our anxiety really comes from the anticipation of pain. And so what I teach my clients, which is really important, especially if we're getting back in, in, um, being connected with ourselves is, um, allowing ourselves to feel our feelings because the pain doesn't come from 
the emotions, it comes from the resistance to the emotions, right? And so what I found to be really, really helpful for whoever is listening is allowing yourself to feel if you're anticipating the rejection and you're getting anxiety, anxiety around the rejection, it's like, okay, let me just feel this rejection. And then once you allow yourself to feel it, it'll pass through and then the anxiety will get less and less. And so whatever we are, kind of the pain that we're anticipating that's the anxiety in itself. And so if we can actually feel through the emotion, we'll be less scared of it and we'll stop resisting it. And then the anxiety will begin to, to dissipate. Yeah. Cause it's always worse in our heads, right? Like what, <laughs> whatever it is, it's always worse when we're imagining it, imagining it than it actually is. Yeah. So obviously you know, with your, with your, your business and your practice that you have just re respecting privacy, can you share a client success story with us? Absolutely. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to think of which one I want to share. I have some really great ones. Um, a few of my clients right now are wedding dress shopping, which is exciting. Um, so one that I will share is one of my clients. Um, she, came to me struggling with a, a need to be with this man who she essentially thought was her twin flame. And um, she was like, he tells me that he loves me, but then he says he doesn't want to be with me, but I just feel like we're supposed to be together and all this stuff. She was going to psychics, to mediums, to all the things, and it just trying to understand how she can get this man to commit to her. And so this had been a pattern of hers. She struggled with codependency, um, anxiety, uh, a lack of, of confidence and lack of self-esteem. And so throughout our work together, we identified why she's chasing these emotionally unavailable men. And she was also in, a, in an abusive marriage previously. And so we looked at where this was coming from and she grew up in... Uh, some kind of cult. And so it was, she grew up in a really traumatic situation. And as we worked through, um, you know, what she experienced in childhood, and then we started um, really focusing on creating this beautiful life for herself. She was already successful. She was a real estate agent, um, did really well for herself. However, she still, um, she, she didn't feel the way that she wanted to feel, right? It's like she had the home, she had the career, but she just didn't feel the way that she wanted to feel. And so what we realized that she was lacking, she was so scared to make new moves, to have new hobbies, to try new things because of a fear of failure. And so then we healed that fear of failure and this fear of being alone. And through, um, through out that, that time of focusing on these, um, these pieces, she ended our time together. We, um, she, she went, ended the program. And then within a month, a man reached out to her from Facebook. He saw her on like a, a friend's Facebook and asked her out. Now they're getting married. They just got engaged, I think on Halloween and now they're getting married. And so it really, the work works if you work it. And you know, it, it is scary at first to, look at these parts of ourselves and to go back to things that have been painful, but 
the only way on the other side is to go through the stuff. And so, you know, she showed up, she showed up daily. She implemented everything I taught because a lot of the times what, what people mistake is, um, so I, I teach the trifecta, which is like the energetics, the mindset and the strategy. And when people are trying to manifest or, you know, try to call in their ideal partner, they're doing one of those, but typically it's not all three of them. And so, um, you know, they'll, try to manifest, but then it's just wishing because they're not taking the aligned action or they're trying to take the action without having the proper mindset or energetics. And so, you know, we can read about this stuff and listen to it all day long, but unless we embody it and implement it, it won't work. So she was a really wonderful example of, um, of implementing the work and actually having her desired result of now being engaged to the love of her life and they've never been happier and her her career exploded she um she lost some of the weight that she wanted to lose and so it was like everything was just um it did fall into place because she decided to choose herself that's absolutely beautiful and i love that we brought this conversation full circle because one of those things that we were talking about earlier was what are those what are those toxic relationships doing to invade other parts of our life and of ourselves? And here is like the perfect example of how that's happening and how really focusing, like you said, on that inner work can continue to contribute to improving those other areas too. Absolutely. So Morgan, as we close, what is one small action or mindset shift you would encourage our listeners to try based on our discussion today? I would say one small shift or step that they can take is simply asking yourself, what is it that I need right now? Because a lot of the times we're rushing through our days, we are so focused on everyone else, we put our needs on the back burner, we're putting everyone ahead of us, we're pouring from an empty cup. And if we can simply ask, what is it that we need right now, that question can just open up the floodgates and it can just give us a really wonderful um peek inside what's really going on in our lives. And so just that one simple question is um is the the gateway for more introspection and and getting more clear on who you are and what you want. Love that. So simple. So simple. such a such a simple question, but so necessary to just shift that focus and and to bring it back. So thank you so much Morgan. I think we've all just really learned a lot and appreciated this conversation. So thanks for being here today. Well, thanks so much for having me.